Jesus, wiped down a good couple of hours. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Schmo Center. This is the post-match breakdown for the Schmo's Down. Uh, we are the MBE crew. Um, my name is Tony Hill, and joining me from the MBE crew is Mr. Thomas Scully. How's everybody doing? And then uh, joining a special guest for this episode uh, from Call to Action. Why did you have to do that? I was trying to be professional and be nice and give you a proper intro, but now I have to be a bitch here. I hate Hi, you. I'm the bitch here. Uh, joining us uh, from Call to Action, uh, Adelaide Spence. Yes, hi. I am not crying inside because we're meant to hate Ben Bateman, right? <laughs> we don't do we don't do character work on this show. We are actually professionals. Oh, that's gonna get me. Are, are we going? Are we going there, Tony? Are we going there? Because I got a lot more. I got a lot more on you. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, you two. Let's let's right. let's break it up here. All right. So um, just quickly to break it up. So not break up, uh, to announce to anyone watching this, uh, we are going to be talking spoilers. The match has just happened. It's literally about 10 minutes ago we finished. We are going to be talking about the entirety of the event. So if you've not watched it, please go ahead and go watch it first. If you come in and see and you go, hey, you said this inspired me for it. It's your own fault. Okay? Disclaimer. Okay. If you have not watched this live event, close out of the app, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, right now, go do absolutely anything else before and then watch the matches, then come back over here. Yep, making it us abundantly clear. Abundantly yeah. clear. And a, also, a lot of people are saying right now, "Ooh, I don't want to pay ten dollars to watch this match. Let's just wait a week. Let's be honest. You spend a lot more money on a lot less time. Ten dollars, not that much to spend on. And I, I know uh, Thomas, you were mentioning it, mentioning it early before the call started. One of the greatest title matches of all time." Yeah, if um, you just join the discussion, buy the match, watch it. You'll have an amazing time. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Like, if you look at all the great singles title matches we have had, Merle Roca, Merle Irwin, Merle Oyama. Uh, uh, funny, all of them have had Merle. Merle, anyone. Merle versus anyone in a title match. <laughs> yeah, th I, th I firmly believe this match has surpassed all other singles title matches. Now, as far as greatest match of all time, Personally, I think you break it up between the, the different divisions because you can make arguments for above-the-line Patriots. You can make Kalinowski uh, an argument for Kalinowski versus Cushing, make an argument for uh, Knapsack versus Whitwer. You can make a, a, a case for all of those. But greatest match of all time, not sure about that yet, but definitely the greatest singles match, uh, singles title match we have ever seen. Okay, okay. I Absolutely, it was a fantastic match you went down. I, I think that as a whole, how do we feel? The Damon Jacobson match the, as the undercard, and uh, is it on par with what we've seen? Like, is it on par with the New York event? Is it on par with the other like two match events that we've had in the past? Well, I, I think considering that the undercard for, for, for the New York event was Andrew Guy versus a man whose head isn't screwed on straight. So I think by default, this was a, this was a better match. Um, although this one did end in a TKO and the Burnett uh, one did not. Um, but I, I think overall that was – I think overall Damon versus uh, Jacobson was a solid match. I think you definitely saw Emily's uh, last performance against Hannah. This definitely w uh, was not up to par with that one. She, I think she definitely struggled, especially in round one, to find her footing. Um, and even though she uh, got some assistance from the wheel, she never seemed to gain that footing back. Um, and oh. so I, I think Damon was able to avoid avoid the mistakes – Play a, a virtually mistakeless match. That's how he. That's how he was able to win. 
I, I, it's hard for me. I feel like em, I, I said it before we even got, got into this match. I think Emily is someone who you shouldn't discount as a competitor. And mm-hmm. I said it back when she had her debut against Winston. Like, oh, she won by a TKO. So what? She hit eight points. She is improving a lot. I don't think um, Dagnino helped her a lot managing here. And we'll, well, like in the actual specific breakdown, we'll get to it. So, Round two was sort of a mess. And at the end of the day, I just don't think she came as prepared. And that's fine. She ha- she is a player who I think over time will will have a lot of improvement. Just like, If you are Emily, you should be feeling a tiny bit slighted because the attention was so much on the main event. And it's like Dagnino's attention, it kind of felt like it was so much to- forced towards that match. But just like she was just left in the wind to go and yeah. whistle. And even I, in the I, run match, all like all eyes were on Damon because you had Roxy hyping up Damon saying he's gonna be a beast in IG because he is the Star Wars champion. You have everyone saying, okay, well Damon's never lost a, a live event. He hasn't lost since uh like he hasn't lost since that fatal five way back in like 2017 to Sam Whitwer. Um so all eyes were on him and no one was really talking about Emily um aside from Damon. Nino's promo. No one, no one was, was really talking about Emily. Um, unfortunately, she really didn't help her case in, in that matter tonight. Well, and again, in defense of her, Dagnino was trying to manage not only two players, he didn't know where he was going, he was also managing five different egos. And then Emily just sort of fell by the wayside. And I'm also not sure how good Dagnino is in that area. I'm not sure if he's the right manager to help prep her. At least sure. the other ones, you have co-managers and stuff. Hmm? True, because uh, this would be the first match that Dagnino's ever managed in the Inagatum division, so this is like the first time that he's ever actually had to try and test that metal there. Yeah. Which, yeah. And, and and I think this is a continuing trend that we'll see, because we'll definitely see some managers who are less knowledgeable about the Inagatum ring than in singles and teams. Um, so you definitely saw with Dagnino, uh, he... He didn't seem like the very confident, boisterous Dagnino when he was conversing with Emily, as as he was when he conversed with Bateman. This was a Dagnino that looked that that looked a little bit confused out there, looked a little bit unsure of what to do. Um, and even though I totally disagree with Roxy claim that he's the worst manager of all time, was there and he has three awards to disprove that claim. Um, he he, mm. he didn't really uh, he didn't really do a great job tonight in terms of uh, the uh, the undercard. Sure. I do want to defend Roxy a little bit. I, I feel like I feel like Dagnino is probably one of the luckiest managers because of the fact that he's given great players and he's not mm. he's not asking to work and improve them. He's asking to help them win rather than to like supplement. Or, does, do you, am I making sense? Yeah, um, like Dagnino is the garnish on the side of her plate, whereas Roxy is the meat and potatoes of her player. If that makes sense. Yeah, but Ro- Roxy helps Roxy helps players become who they're meant to be. Dagnino is someone who just gives opinions. I, I feel like Roxy is more like influ- influential as a manager. Now I would counter that by saying, if you look at something like someone like who's the boss, Bateman and Dagnino, they definitely have something clicking from day one. Riley and Dagnino, Riley and Bateman, that's a different thing. It took Dagnino to be like the glue that held Bateman and Riley together throughout that anarchy tournament. And they eventually became a team that was one question away from winning the team belt. So I think considering that's what Dagnino did after the Patriots broke up, after the Patriots retired, hmm. creating a team out of two people who characterized despised each other, I, I think is, 
yeah, I know. But like, I think that is that is just extremely impressive. However, I feel that we're going to have to see more of Dagnino's managing ability as we go past that that four off the Kentucky chain. Once you do get into the Milan City Barbarians, that's where you're going to actually see Dagnino at work. And you did see Dagnino do a really good job in in in, uh, in in the in the Barbarians match, which with uh, which dropped which dropped yesterday. He did do a good job with him, uh, making sure uh, uh, trusting the Barbarians to um, stay with his round two category. Um, put a lot of faith in him. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do want to say Barbarian is one of the more terrifying rookies, and like because I, I gave him a friend on Facebook, so I see some of the weird shit he gets involved in. He threw a near perfect game at a bar trivia Oscars match that Ben Bateman had a rough time at, and he claims to be one of the Oscar experts. No, Barbarian's a fucking scary dude, I've, and like, I've met him. He's he's real deal. So he's scary. Again, I, I mean, look, a man walks in. A man walks into anywhere with a pelt on his shoulder. You are convinced that 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 behind his back is the crossbow which he just killed that small animal with. Yeah, this is this is the weirdest Witcher sequel I've heard you pitch so far, Scully. I would play it. All right, uh, so let's <laughs> let's break into the first match. We kind of talked about it already, but it was uh, Alex Amos versus Emily, Emily Rose Jacobson. So um, just gave a bit of credence to Jacobson because everyone kept saying, "Oh, she did so well. She improved so well in her first and second match." Uh, she's got eight points her first match, 18 points the second match, and this one she scored, where is it? 15, at the I think. Uh, 11. Mm. So, but it was obviously a TKO victory. So, as a general, how do we feel that both players went? Because obviously this is like, even Damon himself said, that this it feel, it's odd to get a question wrong. I think at- for, for a debut, I think looking at Damon first, for a debut, he did pretty good. Um, uh, look, he got he got eight in round one. That's that's ve- that's very that, that's very uh, impressive. Um, the MCU question, I thought it was I I, I personally I, I think it's an easy question because I'm I'm I, I love the, the MCU and I like can break down the phases pretty easily. But I can understand how the phases can be a really difficult uh, thing to sort of count. Uh, mm. Not knowing where one phase ends and another begins, um, but I think guessing Guardians Two is maybe a little of an odder guess. Um, yeah. But I, yeah. Um, I I, mean, I, I'm, I think maybe heard yeah. her phase three. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What? I think I think he possibly heard it, like misheard it and did phase three. That's a little extremely. And uh, and you can definitely boil that down to nerves. First question in a brand new division. The last division you were in, you are the undisputed champion. Probably some nerves for that first one. Um, but he recovered well, and he only missed one more of uh, the rest of round one. I, well, uh, what was the other one? Oh, no. Uh, it was, it was, uh, Which, unknowingly, I went TJ Miller with. Hmm. I knew it was Miller. Yeah. But, yeah, the answer was Miller Light. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Scully, you mentioned this actually in our private chat as we were watching this. Um, so when it came out, Emily was in the uh, n- Emily was in the secondary seat. Damon was in the favorite seat, and you had an issue with that. Yeah. So I understand that the hype behind Damon's IG debut was palpable, and I understand that Cuckoo's Mess and Rubik said the same thing. Cuckoo's Mess was the favorite. They came out second, but there's a difference between facing. 
a one in five team that hadn't played in about a year and a half, and somebody who has a TKO in that division and lost to Brandon Hanna by just two points. So I think get, I think putting Damon in the favor, I, I, it, it's not a huge deal. It's just something I, I had an, I had an issue with. We have a, a highly talented rookie coming in against uh, a veteran who's maybe like one and one or even one and two. I, I don't think that rookie should be in the favorite slot because you're you're just assuming you're just assuming that oh this person's well, great and then if they come out flat, you're not looking too good putting them in the favorite slot. It's also a thing about being a champion in a sense. A champion should have that right, even if it's in a different division, to be classed as a favorite, even if they're not technically. So, so if Dan Merle, let's say hypothetically, Dan Merle faced Robert Parker in their IG debuts. Would Dan Merle be in the favorite seats? Yes. Well, so I think here's the thing, though, is, in my opinion, rookies should never be the favorite unless they're against another rookie, in which case it should be a pretty even field. Like, let's say let's say Scully's playing against Emily. I know Scully wins that match. I know Scully's a better competitor. He's still a rookie. I say he's the underdog there because no matter what, it comes to records in terms of favorites. It comes to rankings. It comes down to accuracy. You know, a lot of things. But if and, you're and a rookie, you should never be the favorite. Too. It comes down to experience in that division because Alex has never been in that I I IG division before. Yeah. Like see the lights in different divisions, it's different in every single division. The the aura of of the, the aura of you know the feeling of that division is different than the one that you're used to. So I don't know. It's not a huge issue. Um, yeah. it's just a nitpicky thing that I noticed. It's a respect thing for the player, but for but um, a thing that I want to mention is that the second question Star the Star Wars which. It's kind of interesting. Like, obviously, when you have Damon in there as the Star Wars guy, you expect him to get the Star Wars question. Is it was putting that as the first couple of questions like a way of helping him calm down? And also, he did also say some. He said the line, "Just give me the point after it got announced." Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think I do think that was a pivotal point in round one, missing the first question, but then getting his biggest strength as a second question that's a good way to sort of get your feet wet in there um you have to think if maybe he had gotten a middle earth or a wizarding world for his second question would it have been different would maybe if he had gotten that wrong and then all of a sudden the mindset completely changes yeah. um, but he did hit the star wars and then he's uh, you could see the confidence rising in him for the rest of round one um and it led to his uh, him getting only two wrong uh, on this in general i uh Damon seemed to be a lot more cocky in his approach to this. Normally, when especially in the Star Wars division, he was always like quite a humble person. Just like, oh yeah, I just know the answers. I just answer it right. But it's like he seemed to have that bit more swagger to him. Is that something that we that's, like? That's, that's a rock stars thing. Yeah, that's definitely a Roxy star thing. I think I think Roxy's been sort of whispering in in his ear ways to to get to get more of an edge in terms of 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 his character. And I do like that. I do like what 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 Roxy is doing with him because you know if you're a champion, you're the undisputed champion. You haven't lost in over two years, going on three years. You're going to form some sort of attitude. I think yeah. Damon being the the happy go lucky humble guy really ain't going to work in this new era. You got to have some sort of edge to you, no matter what division you're in. Yeah, and plus, I think it's interesting because up to this point, there's no, there hasn't been any real personality in the Star Wars division. There's been Ked Napsok who like dominated the, the personality side of it, hmm. but then other than that, it's been non-existent. And with this new era, 
no pun intended, of everyone getting managers and every player have having some sort of faction, story, character behind them. And the, even the league expanding. Sean Sullivan versus Adam Witt is a fairly low-key match in, in most things. And uh, in league before, it'd be right to a title shot, but that's how Star Wars was. Yeah. We have actual rankings, we have brackets, you have to build up to a win. And with that came the characters. And I think, like... Alex Damon sort of like becoming that tweener heel-ish personality is signifying that the Star Wars League is evolving, which is what, which is what the biggest criticism of it recently. It's the fact that it hasn't been evolving. I think this was like the sign of the fact that it is becoming, it's, it's catching up with the rest of the league. Which is testament to media. As you said, it's been very much like, everyone's lovely. They all know Star Wars well. They're all geeky guys and girls, but it's just like, no, no one's there just like, Yar, I'm, a, I'm a space pirate. And I am going to note something else. I think the questions in this round were very good. I think I think, I think this was a very well structured round one question wise. Uh, question wise, because you had um, sort of more lower key questions like who played Lex Luthor, uh, which which is sort of like a general knowledge thing. Everyone knows that it's it's, it's Gene Hackman. Two more deep cut stuff like what two characters dig up Superman's coffin in Justice League, or uh, who played. Plays Rufus Scrimgeour in, in, in Deathly House Part One, who we only see for only ten minutes in that entire series. So I think the the, the range of questions was, was was fantastic, and I had to give props to the to the question writers. Mm. Yeah, I, I hate that Star Wars or that Star Trek question in in round one. Like, I, I I loved it. I loved it because it's, that's not a round one. That's, seen, that's a, that's a round three two pointer. You're gonna get so you you get confused, but like that's that's thing with with inner geekdom. You have to see the movie. Hmm. You have to watch I've the movie. Seen it, I John Harrison is actually Khan. I, I, I absolutely love that question. Uh, the, I, I, I got a kick out of it in the live chat where everyone was so confused, like John Harrison, John Harrison, and then people started guessing Peter Weller, and I'm, I'm like, no, it's John, it. John Harrison is is Joe Harrison's slightly older brother who also apparently is a supervillain? Question mark. Like again, like I, I don't think in the level of difficulty, everything else was like you could pretty well estimate that. I think in terms of pure question writing, this the the Justice League one is the hardest because it's, it's a context question, and this one is a casting on top of context, context on top of more context. Like it's just it's I, I don't think it fits in round one. I think it's a good question, but it didn't it didn't need to be that early in the match. Especially in a rookie when debut. You're the, when you're dealing with a division like Inner Geek Time, where, where the people in this have specialized knowledge, and this is, and like that's one of those things where that's like in the back of your mind, like, oh, John Harrison? Okay, well, he was actually Khan, so it's Benedict hmm. uh, uh, a, a Cumberbatch. It's not like singles and teams where, where the knowledge isn't as specialized, isn't as specific. Personally, I looked at here as a villain's question: the was Magneto's Magneto's prison cell made out of Nick's men too? Because I was that I was on the same page as Emily. I was like, oh yeah, it's glass. Nah, fam. It's man. <laughs> good, good old plastic, or 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 as Kaiser called it in the live chat, Tupperware. Uh, I got. Was that Kaiser? I just thought someone put there. I was like, oh, what the fuck is that kind of answer? So, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so walking out of round one, it ends up Damon eight, Jacobson five. So that roughly what most people were expecting. What? Yeah, I I I expected more points from Emily. I'll, yeah. I'll be honest. I I was surprised that that, that she came that she ended with just five. Um, I I, th I thought a couple of those she might have hit. Um, but I wasn't too worried about about her. I knew like if she got I, I thought that at that point if she got a uh, if she got some some good wheel wheel spins she got her strength. She could definitely 
crawl her way back into this because Damon has never, you know, gotten the wheel rounds or round three in Interdictum. And I was I was really intrigued to see how he would be tested with that. True. And so he did go first. He spun the wheel first and ended up getting uh, Wisdom World first, spun again, and then ended up with opponent's choice. So it's an interesting one because Wisdom World, obviously, he spun away from, so that's a sign of uh, weakness. But he got that question right in round one. Jake Emily didn't. However, he didn't get a question in the MCU or Marvel, right? So surely if you're looking at that wheel, you should be going, okay, so that's a, pe- a weakness for him. Let's go Marvel. And that's a Dagnino yeah. thing. That's something Dagnino should have picked up on, I, I think. And that's, again, that's something that uh, dealing with singles and teams and dealing with IG is very – IG is a whole, a, whole, a whole different beast. You, you have to think with – like if you are – if you think for singles and teams with your right with, with the right side of your brain, you need to think of interviewing them with the left side of your brain. You need to think differently when it comes to IG. And I think that's where Dagnino slipped up. It's very easy. Like I – I, I thought it was a good choice to give Damon Wizarding World with upon his choice because he spun away from it, and that's the easiest thing to go to. But I wish Dagnino had taken a little more um, time to look at the questions he had missed in round one and try yeah. – and, and, and maybe he did. Maybe he did, and he thought that Wizarding World was just the, the better the, the better way to go. Uh, but, you know, who knows? To me, it reads as if he was like, okay, Emily, I watch your matches. You did spinner choice last time, and you got Star Trek. You can do it again, because it's like I was like, "Ooh, I've been studying that. I'm very good at that." When on paper, Star Trek is probably the one that he's probably the best at because it's more it's more sci-fi stuff that fits in the yeah. Star Wars realm, and that's what he's going to go to first because it's, it's the same genre. And mm-hmm. you have to go in assuming nothing and assuming everything at the same time, playing against a newbie. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you at least know he likes Star Wars, you can make assumptions about his film taste otherwise. In my mind, I was legit, legitimately thinking anything but Star Trek for both spinners and opponents, because that is the thing he's most likely to know. Yeah. yeah. And then, unless I'm mistaken, doesn't Emily work on comics and comic book shows over at, um, is it Nerdist where she works? Uh, I think Hyper Hyper G. Yeah. She's in that world. Or more, so it's quite an interesting scenario. So, um, Damon does go uh, with, ends up with Wizard and World, so he gets uh, multiple choice for. The first two questions, they both get the uh, game Game of Thrones. Uh, got a couple of fire. Uh, who plays Ireland in the Quidditch World Cup final? Guys, it's Bulgaria. Like, that's an interesting one to get wrong because, of, like, if you just know the story, like Victor Crumb, he's one of them pivotal characters in that movie. Who just, just knows that he's Bulgarian? I just, I watched that shit a week ago and I had no idea he was Bulgarian. I just knew that he fucking came in from. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't he have? The, the, the only time you hear the word Bulgaria in that movie is when you hear Fred and George screaming, Here come the Bulgarians. It's the only time you hear, and, and you see like a Bulgarian flag like in the background when they're walking through the camp, like at the start of the film. But also, that's the only time you hear it in the movie. So, I get, so again, these questions were great. Uh, perfect Wizarding World questions for an IQ match. Um, but yeah, that's again, it's those, it's those small very tiny little details uh, that in order to be a very good IG player, you got you, you, you to pick up on. But I got to give props to Damon. He, he, he went multiple on three of these. Uh, he, he navigated – I'm sorry, on, on four of these. Oh, yeah. He navigated his way through it, and he, and he knew them all on multiple choice, which, which, which is good. So he, he, he definitely knows the stuff. 
It's just picking up on it for two points next time rather than one. So again, very good for a debut match. So um, just a quick question that was asked in the chat by Peggy Gubbins. Um, shouldn't competitors go into the matches already knowing what they're going to give opponents if they get spinners slash opponent choice? Wait. Spence is giving himself whiplash. <laughs> as, as, as a manager, that's one of the things you have to go in preparing for. Like At least to me. And this is me speaking on my managerial strategy. Obviously, I'm not a three-time manager of the year, so maybe I'm wrong. Is the you, you need to basically you need to give your players knowledge of here's what I need you to study and here's what you need to prepare to do, and then as a manager you need you need to do your research into the opponent and figure out what are they good at, what are they bad at, and then you can help your player decide that. Your player should be just getting the knowledge. Emily should not have been thinking about that. Dagnina should have walked up, got it, and walked out. And that goes back to what you guys were saying about how Dagnina was dealing with uh, two other competitors who were who were playing that night. He yeah. definitely did not put in the time and the effort with Emily to help her prepare for this match. If he had, we we, we might have had a different result. We, we we probably wouldn't have had a TKO, and she might have won this. And the annoying thing as well for Emily and looking at the Finch target exchange there, um, it's a case where it's literally the only other person in IG in that division is playing for the title than the other match. So he, he can't really step in and go, oh, yeah, I'll help you. Here, here's what you need to do. Right. So I um so what so it ends up um Damon up uh, 12 to 5. So Jacobson spins. Um she, wait, something out strange happens. She, she, she has to re-spin the wheel, not because of it and unspin it again, but because it didn't do a full rotation. And um, Roxy was about to kick off with that. It, especially because she ended up with spinner's choice. How pissed off should she be? I look. I, I think the the full rotation wheel rule. I, I I think that's a I think that's an okay rule because if you're just just like if you're actively trying to just spin the wheel just enough so you get your strength and it doesn't go a, a full rotation. That's not okay. I think having her redo it, so she has to, so it has to go at least a full rotation. It's a, it's a more fair and, and it, it, it leaves more up to chance rather than just like trying to like very accurately pinpoint what what uh, what you're gonna get. Um, and I get I get Roxy's gripe because it ended at uh, it ended at Spinner's Choice, and I and if she had won, we probably would have heard something in her post match. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it didn't really make much. It didn't really make much of it. Much of it. Uh, nah, didn't make much of a difference. Yeah. And so she ends up against Spinner's Choice and goes with Star Trek. So that's obviously like we mentioned earlier about it seems uh, we've heard Damon in the past say Star Trek is a strength for him as well, and it's like she's used it in the past as well. However, looking at how she played, she went. Multiple four out of five times, she got two questions. She got two questions incorrect. Like if you're go- if you have your choice and you're going to multiple four out of five times, that is a terrible, terrible sign. And I think it's interesting that the only one that she got for the two was not a context question; it was a data question. Which, like at least to me, as 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 a as a, as a prospective manager, it's interesting to me what her studying style is. Because while she did hit them on multiple, the fact that she can only pull a data question is concerning to me with someone who, on Spitter's choice, claims to be strong in Star Trek. Yeah, I. Uh, it was an interesting move going for Star Trek, especially because Star Trek is the one that Damon was most likely going to be strongest in, and that leaves a lot up for steals. Um, 
right? And I, again, it comes down to preparation and working with your manager, having a manager who uh, knows what they're doing in the inner kitchen realm. And uh, it's, it's frustrating because Emily is such a good competitor, but I think the decision-making, especially in round two, was poor. Mm. It, it was it was very poor and it killed her tonight. And I know she's she is a lot more than than that than this match entails. Um, but it was definitely frustrating frustrating to see. And if she has another match, uh, she's gonna have to study up that uh, that Star Trek. Uh-huh. Yeah, especially if you're working on on it as you, as you're trying to play as your strength. It's an interesting one. Um, Peggy said something interesting, interesting, interesting in the live chat. I want to get your guys' thoughts on. But if you, so yeah, if you don't know what the weekend, you give them one of your strengths, you could potentially steal. I I understand that perspective, but then you also have to think about if there's something weak on the wheel, then you have a greater chance of landing on it. So, so then the question becomes: Do you give your opponent something you're weak in that way? You have, yeah, way you give yourself a better chance at getting a perfect round yeah, two. You so give one really big strength. Like, let's say your your biggest strength is MCU. And they spin upon his choice. You want MCU for your wheel spin if they're spinning first. So don't give them theirs, even though you think you might get steals and they might not be as as, as good in. Especially if you're someone like Emily who wants to quell all the talk about Damon. You need to make as many statements for yourself in the match as you can. And you do that by keeping your strength on there and hoping that you spin it when it's your turn to spin. Awesome. Uh, just quickly uh, from the YouTube page, Vice Guys 09. Also, Molly Damon is a very big Harry Potter fan, and for what I've seen from a YouTube chat, their YouTube channel, so I guess you can research, find out. Alex will be good in it. So it's that thing as well where it's if you can't if you can't go through the door, you go through a window. If you don't have the data from like people playing matches, you can at least go and study. Like, oh, yeah, they've got a YouTube page. Let's so go watch what they do, stuff like that. Try and see if we can build up bits. Uh, but what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a little bit of break talking about this because we are going to bring in one uh, one of our dear friends who are there live, Mister <laughs> Nick Big Sal Carly. How are you doing, interview. There we go. Well, hello there, everyone. Can, can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. loud and clear. Can you hear us? All right, sweet. Yep, you're good to go. Yeah. Champion. So um, she'll be now live. So how was it? How was the event? Man, it, it was a packed It was a packed room. You know, it was a nice little theater. Uh, had really nice acoustics. And, you know, it, everybody was there to have a really good time. So I, like, I mean, with how well the, you know, Dan, the Merle and Bateman match went, I mean, it, it was insanity that whole time in that match. So, I mean, we, we I mean, I, I was actually uh, sitting next to this guy right here. You know, he, yeah, he's here with you know. <laughs> so, uh, so we were, you know, biting our tongues at a lot of those questions. We were like, oh, man, especially the, you know, that the, both five pointers were insane. So, you know, it, no, I mean, it was it was as good as advertised and the crowd was there and they they loved it. And Christian and, you know, Christian and Mark loved the participation. I think they're going to come back to Atlanta at some point or another. So it, it was just a great time. Excellent. And so it seemed like a lot of the crowd shit like that. No one, mercifully, no one decided to try and steal belts and walk up people on stage or like just get <laughs> answers. That's always a good thing. Oh, uh, no, no, nothing, nothing too insane like that. There was a couple uh, loud, loud drunk people that kept screaming for no reason, but that's normal. <laughs> yeah. 
we're, so, we're not like, we're not allowing you to any more events then. <laughs> oh crap, me. No, I didn't mean no. <laughs> no, Tony, that's why you were kicked out of spectacular. <laughs> it was true. So uh, but no no it was uh, no it was a good representation, pretty split crowd of people who supported Ben and people who supported Dan. So it, it was uh, it was a good time. And uh, everyone came out for uh, <clears throat> for Alex Damon. I think everyone was really happy that he won that match. I know Mark and I were cheering for uh, Emily Rose to pull it out, but you know it is what it is. So yeah. Oh, yeah, it was still uh, it was still a very entertaining match. It, 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 it's, it's especially hard to uh, to uh, play against the home crowd because you know hmm. Alex Damon, Atlanta native. Um, yeah. So the, the the crowd was def- was definitely for him. So that's another thing Emily had to battle against. Uh, Playing essentially a road game, uh, and that's always tough. Yeah. There were still plenty of supporters for Emily Rose here, so I mean, it, they, she definitely had plenty of supporters. So uh, we, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a bit of confrontation between Ben Bateman and John Roker at the end when everything went down. Did you notice yeah. anything from like that was we didn't catch on camera? But the reason I mean, why, not, or not really? No, we no. Mark, Mark and I saw that. And we were like, "What was going on there?" Like, and then it, it just sort of just you know mellowed out from there. No one really said, you know, it wasn't really addressed. Like even afterwards or whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we saw that too, and we were like, "Are they trying to pick a fight for some reason?" <laughs> and I turned to Mark, and I was like, "Oh, this maybe this is the the thing that." Everybody was predicting that you know maybe Roka gets traded or something like that, crazy like that. But you know that obviously nothing happened. I was kind of surprised that nothing happened. I really think I really yeah. thought that uh, something was going to come up. It does feel weird about the last couple of events. There's not been that big like oh shit the five horse yeah. reappeared or oh like someone's come out and challenged another person. We kind of had that at the end of this match, but. And, and the yeah. we, we hadn't really had a yeah was the closest thing was Robert crashing Alex Damon's interview. <laughs> that was a so, bit. I, I I will say unfortunately I missed the first half of that because I went to go get another beer, and I I came in halfway through that. And I was like, oh no! I was like, okay, I think it's interesting. Oh no! I wish I would have seen that. <laughs> there hasn't really been a big like story push at a live event in a bit. Mm-hmm. No, there hasn't. Right. No. Yeah, like, yeah. I think. Look, Last one was a uh, guy with the video ret- announcing his return. Yeah. Even though it, 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 oh, it, we are going to be down the bottom for Yeah. I, uh, Nick, um, before, we'll let you go in a minute, but just quickly, yeah. you uh, just got the VIP Q&A thing. Was there anything interesting that was said? <laughs> uh, yes. That you can there share? Was some... <laughs> uh, no, there isn't. Well, well, I will say there was something huge dropped that I that Christian basically threatened us not to share. Okay, but, we'll it is, it, but it is huge, and we'll learn about it in April. I will leave Ooh. it at that. You're posting that in the MBE group. We're not going to say it on yeah. camera, <laughs> but you're posting it in that. Well, we'll see. If, if I feel no, because then we'll have the FBI breaking down our doors, and I just had this door replaced. So, <laughs> but happen. no, but no, I will say there. Yeah, there, there is something pretty huge coming to just for just for the league in general in April. So we'll leave it at that. Perfect. Oh, well. So, uh, We'll let you go and get wasted. Uh, thank you so much, Nick and Mark as well in the background <laughs> for joining us. Oh, of course. Sounds good. No, thanks for having me on. No worries. Uh, see you in a bit, Bill. All right. See ya. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, with the crowd, like, I'm not surprised that that uh, that they're going to go back to Atlanta. Atlanta is one of the best markets in America for events like that. It's, I think, hmm. it's one of the big corporate capitals of America. 
uh, a lot of large corporations and, and, and businesses flock there. Uh, there's a huge population island there in the southeast. When you're in Atlanta, the entire southeast, whole congregations from Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Nashville, the Carolinas, Florida, they're all they're, they're all going to come to Atlanta. They're all going to come to Atlanta. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think they made the right choice having an event, that, like the second live event of the year in a place like Atlanta. Well, just from a family, so I, I know at least four people that are there that don't have the Action Army brand stuck to their foreheads. Like, so Thanks that's, a lot. You're welcome. I think it's more like a tramp stamp. Yeah, it probably is tramp stamp. I I advocated for 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 uh, Nashville because geography wise you you could pull from like, like the, that entire range from like Georgia all the way up to like Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, Union Jack, Smodan UK before anything else. That's expensive. The top guy can do it. Skybound though. That's two people, not like a twenty person like crew. Anyway, anyway. All right, so uh, getting back on track. So uh, Damon versus Jacobson. So um, end up at the end of the second round. It ended up Jacobson uh, fourteen to nine up. When especially with it being where you had it, him having opponent's choice, uh, Emily having his finish choice. Is that uh, I don't we try not to be rude about people here, but is that one of the poorest performances from in that situation that we've seen? Definitely not. It, it's 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 not one of the worst performances we've seen. I think the worst. Well, I, think, I, I think like, per, I, I performances like that. I it's I don't put that in like the worst of all, like like worst of all time because there definitely could have been uh, opportunities to quell that, especially with like preparation, um, manager stuff. So I, I, I don't think that this was ent entirely on Emily. So I, I think that there definitely have been uh, worse instances in the intergeeking division. Take Emily's first match with uh, Winston. Um, that, that, was, uh, that, that wasn't a great match from Winston. Well, I meant, um, I meant as in um, someone, having, someone being given opponent's choice, someone getting Spanish choice, and having a five-point deficit to the person about opponent's choice. Oh yeah, that's, that's something we haven't seen before. That such a deficit as well. It's just like I, Emily did a good job, but just like comparing it, like she like the fate, fate was in her hands, and she dropped it. It felt like well, it, it's also just like if it comes down to it, it could have just been like he's a better competitor, and that's nothing wrong with that. If you if you have a even Spinner's an opponent, if if you're losing that, I think uh, I think that happened to Snyder pretty recently as well. And he still won a match. Oh yeah, it was against Mark Riley early last season. Like some days it's just the person who got that's the better competitor and they can still pull out the win. Mm -hmm. Alex Damon could just flat out be the better competitor. And again, like we're going to harp on like, oh, Spinner's opponents went the wrong way and should, they, they, uh, Dagdino and her should have picked different categories. But if he knows more, he knows more. That's very accurate. All right. Um, so going into the uh, third round, so it ended up being a category that everyone forgets is part of in a geekdom for the first two for Emily. So she had Back to the Future and Indiana Jones for two and a three point. Uh, all right. Scully, you're a geek player. How would you feel if you're in that situation? You're down at merch and then you go, oh, um, it's not a category that you've had a single question off this entire match. We've given you a different category. How well, would you I feel? Think, well, I think because in round three, it expands to like 20 categories. Anything's mm -hmm. fair game from like Back to the Future, Indiana Jones to like weapons, objects, magical vehicles to sports and soundtracks to all this other 
you know, like all, all the other stuff like that. I, you know, I, I'd be taken aback a little bit because I would have been expecting something um, more like a category I, I've seen in the match before. But Back to the Future and Anna Jones, we've seen that in the showdown a lot. It has They haven't been wheel slices, uh, but they definitely show up in round three. And that's something where you got to be prepared for anything. You got to go over your Back to the Future. You got to go, got to go over your Indiana Jones. Um, and Emily, uh, she got the Back to the Future one correct. Um, Indiana Jones one, I can that that's a that, that's a bit of a it's harder one because yeah. that's a, like a, that's like a five second clip in Lost Ark when he puts his hand in the ark and the sand comes out. Um, a lot of people will kind of forget that part uh, and just think of like the wispy uh, ghost smoke that you know kills them all at the end. Um, yeah, I'm an alcohol. Yeah, and then uh, the five point. Uh, the five point would be in a Star Wars question: How just poetic justice is that in this world that a Star Wars champion wins by Star Wars? It would have been more poetic if Emily had hit it, and Star Wars had been the one for <laughs> Damon to hit his. That would have been a dope fucking moment if that pulled through. That would have been incredible. But that five point, oh my god, that's a. I that's, mean, that's something you see in one of Damon's other matches. I yeah, mean, that's that's. That was a deep, deep, deep cut. Like, it's a brutal question. Like, I'm just a curious thing. Like, do you think any us any game player could have gotten that? Like a Hannah or Chanchi or yourself? Like, or is that is right. it or is it just a step I above? Um, I think that that's something that Kevin Smith may, maybe, Robert Parker, maybe, Mike Kalinowski, maybe. That's one that I am not hundred percent sure. I'm not 100% sure any of them would have gotten it. Maybe Parker, Smets, Kalinowski, maybe Kanopic even as well. But, yeah, that that's just – I mean, that's something where it's said once extremely quickly and you need subtitles to go back, rewind, and pinpoint the moment where he said it because guess what? It ain't coming back at all in the movie again. So it does end up uh, TKO victory for Alex Damon at 14 to 11. Um, so um, Adelaide, um, so Emily said in her post-match review, the IG is a marathon, not a sprint. It's her Renova, though. She's one or two now. She's had, like, is there a possibility that she can really get back in? And mm, I, I, I think it's only fair to speak comparatively. It, again, I don't think Emily's a bad player. I think she's someone who needs to train a lot. I don't think she can ever win the title. And I think it, I think in singles that's fair. You can be a middling competitor, and you can still have a strong fan base and still have a great time. Inner geekdom is very top heavy. I mean, in in a year, like I mean, Ch- Chandru could have won the title from Kalinowski. Smets is top. Kalinowski is top. Brandon Hand is getting to the top. And then you have Robert Parker, and we have other players who could debut or other people who could just make a serious run. Yeah. Um, in in IG, it's not good enough to be just good. You need to yeah. be one of the greatest of all time or else you will not contend at all. This is why I don't like comparing singles and teams to IG because Ben Bateman went was one and two, I believe, in singles after his loss to Andreco, I believe. Yes. He lost to Andreco, and, and all of a sudden he was one and two. And all of a sudden, uh, well, as of, as of tonight, he's the former champion, but up until tonight, he he was the singles champion. Came back from a one and two um, record. In IG, yes, Mike Kanowski had an zero and two record and he became a champion. But that was a different era. Now, 
it now it's no longer a marathon. It is a sprint. You have to get out to the three and 4 and records to be in serious contention for a title. That is how Winter Kingdom is now. So I, again, I think Emily is a is, is a very good IG player. However, there are so many other phenomenal IG players out there that are better than her. I mean, uh, again, Tanjimara, uh, uh, Parker Kalinowski, Smets, that's five players right there who are automatically above her. Add Damon to that mix, that's six above her. Merle's coming in, maybe that's seven above her. It, it, it's rough. It, it, it's rough. It, it it would take a miracle for her to get up to that title contention place. Right. I, Emily feels very much like a player that it should be pushing very hard for them teams because if there was them teams, she'd be a fantastic teammate for somebody. That That is true. I think she, I think if there were Inigigdom teams, she'd be a great complimentary piece to, to, to somebody, to a, one of those title contenders. Um. But again, intergame teams is not something we're going to be seeing anytime soon. So, yeah. And then, uh, so Greg Howell just quickly in the chat. Uh, with Moro coming into IG, Hannah, Chanju, Park, Kanapit, Parker, Smets, any money even play again, maybe in a five way. No more five ways. If God is my witness, please, no more five ways. I think five ways are good for like playing, like tournament playing and stuff, like what they did for the singles tournament, I think season four with Bateman. As of like Bateman, uh, Inman, Dewberry. I think that's fair. I think I think tournament playing. I'm tournament playing. Yes, but uh, as an average match, no, that needs to fucking stop. I I kind of like the idea of having the five way just to get people on and stuff like that and to have a different style of match because I feel the inner game does can have that to be something different, but it needs to be in place in part with singles matches. If that makes counterpoint to that. We're at a point in the slowdown where if a player goes on a one, they never may never play again. A five way severely neuters a player's chance at competing again because then you have you have literally a four times as likely chance to lose a match. Well, I you would probably wouldn't class a five way match as a if you lose that you get zero and one, but if you win it you do get one and zero maybe. Like, I think that's I think it's unfair then. Because I mean, technically, you've still lost a match, though. And to Christian, if you're losing matches, you shouldn't play again. Like Bonnie Somerville True. might never play another spot on match again because okay, she lost one match. But that's zero and three and three head-to-head matches. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least in a five-way, at least you can show off that you like you have a bit of potential. Then you can get that singles match. Then if you get shit to bed there, you might be able to move on. Mm-hmm. But speaking of moving on, if, if you miss oh, a sorry. question in round two, that's like. Maybe five, ten extra points for all for all of your opponents. So the the, the very the the margin for error in multi man matches is very slim. Mm. Um. So moving on. So Alex Amen now Tico victory. I know. Where do we see him going next in the in the game division? Because he does feel that the pathway is already set that you have Ace Cabrera versus Robert Parker. You have Chandru versus Brandon Hanna. You've got. Some, uh, Smets in on top of his Iron Throne at this moment in time. What, where does Damon fit into this situation? Does he get? Is he close to a title picture? The title picture at this moment, or does he need another victory or two? Robert Parker versus Alex Damon. Winner faces winner of Hannah and Chandru. Winner of that plays my account. Ask the winner of that plays Kevin Smets. 
I think it's a very simple tree. Ben Goddard might slide in there somewhere, but honestly, he's in no position to talk right now because I feel like he loses to every person in that thing, including Ace. I don't. I don't think this is the time. I think. I think. I think Christian has went into this just like how, just like how we did with Paulo Yama, just like I did with Ben Bateman. Here is the road to the title. See what you can do. Yeah, um, Alex Damon's road. Uh, his road was kind of paid for him in that post match interview. Because um, Robert Parker came in full force, uh, dropping words like "dicky doos," which obviously came from Kaiser's personal dictionary. Um, he was—I mean, he went full sport girth on on the on, on the whole league there. Um, and that was pretty surreal to see uh, somebody who has seen not that side of him. Uh, that was pretty awesome to see. Uh, well, I'll be very excited. Uh, if Robert beats Ace to see those two face up against each other, uh, potentially. This is an interesting point to speak about Robert Parker because, uh, in fact, obviously, Robert Parker is a like a family to anyone that mentions him. Mentions, oh, he's pretty much undefeated. He's only had like one victory loss in a team's match in Geek matches. And his final his final match in the Geek in the fan leagues was against actually Mr. Tom Scully here. It was a match on the snowball event that just dropped in Formal. All. It was a fantastic match. Uh, Mike Kalinowski hosted it. So, um, Robert, uh, not Robert, uh, Golly, um, how is it facing Robert Parker? It's like, obviously, you have the hype more of like knowing how good he is. Like, how how can you prepare for someone that good? How did you try? Imagine that scene in Stand By Me when the train is coming right at the kids. I am all four of the kids. <laughs> but no, but in uh, all seriousness, um, that was the toughest match I've ever had to play because you're going up against a guy who never misses. He he never misses. Like we're talking about, I mean, he 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 refuses to get questions wrong. That's what he does. And refuses to get them wrong. Like, I will he, not. He, yeah, he, he goes, I will not get questions wrong. Um, and the key to staying with him is just stay alongside him. Hope that, he, like, hope that any mistake he makes, you can capitalize on. But you got to watch out because he doesn't make those, those mistakes very often. Um, and any mistake you make, you can bet your ass he's going to capitalize on. He's going to steal any question you get wrong. He's going to correct you if you get a question wrong. Um so yeah, it's it's like it's like battling a freight train that comes that's coming at you 100 uh, like 180 miles an hour. All right, and then so uh, how do you think he's gonna fit in for the showdown? Like we, oh, I think one the, uh, yeah, because one of the biggest not I don't want to say criticisms about Parker, but it's always that he's been whenever he's been on camera, he's always like, oh yeah, I'm just happy to be here. It's like he's always had other people to do his talking for him, whereas we can't. This was a completely different side to him that we saw today. Like, how you, you're one of the best people in the family, so cutting promos. Like, how do you think you did? And how, like, Aww. how much is I know you're limit? lying, but thank you. I'm trying um, to be nice. I know. I think Robert Parker is secretly the greatest heel of all time. Just, just like Caleb Boatman, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we saw that today in the promo. I think he knows how to cut a promo. I think he knows how to be a heel. And with Kaiser in his corner, Kaiser just said, hey, kid, run wild. And that's what he did. Robert Parker, the spider, is going heel this season. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna scare the shit out of people. 
Like 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 most Dan rolls. Uh, yeah. Like, honestly, no, no, like, no, no. Uh, yeah. I think Dan Merle walks in. He's like, "Hey, yeah, I'm a nice guy. I think I'm funny. Da da da. Whatever." Robert Parker. <laughs> he, no, he, he like he. You think he's gonna walk in and be like, "Oh, I can beat you. We'll have a good match. Feel fair." But no, he's just like, "I'm gonna fucking bury you." He, or I'm gonna. I'm a. What's what's the word he said? I'm a. I'm a didgeridoo bury you. Like Dicky this do. man is. Dicky do. Thank you, Dicky do. He, he's gonna Dicky do you down. That kid is scary. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah, I think in character he's going to be. I think that every competitor, no, no, no matter how much personality they have, they always have this sort of dark side to them. <laughs> um, and Kaiser drafting Robert Parker is going to bring out his dark side. Because if you saw what happened to Smets, we saw the fire coming out of Smets, and we're going to see the exact same thing coming out of Robert Parker. Well, one last question before we move on. Um, who's bigger? Robert the Spider Parker or Wicket the Ewok? Oh God! What kind of big are we talking? Uh, it's Robert Parker. See, you see, all this day, is why you shouldn't ask the question. This is why you shouldn't ask the, the question, Johnny, because you you set up these jokes for for Spence and he launches them four fifty the dead center. <laughs> Just the wind up and the pitch. Oh, look at that! Uh, if people don't know, his uh, Robert's nickname wasn't the Spider in the Phoenix; it was the Hobbit. Uh, like, we always thought it was just because he's a massive fan of Lord of the Rings. No, we figured out why. The dude is fucking tight. He's Roxy had like six inches on him. Yeah, don't you say a damn word, Spence. That's gonna be very. That's gonna be very interesting because you're gonna see the short jokes come in back and forth, and then you're gonna see the people who are a foot taller than him weeping when he KOs them. He's like he's gonna uppercut them right in the nuts, and he's gonna just keep walking through each new opponent he takes. I mean, he is kind of like Wicked taking the speeders in Return of the Jedi, just causing chaos wherever, leading the stormtroopers on a massive chase, and then all of a sudden, they, like making them crash into trees, and they and, and they all die. I mean, if that if that's the Wicked comparison that you're looking for, then there you go. All right, um, so. This is the end of that match, and moving on to the second match. But before we do, we're going to take a little bit of advertisement here because we've got because fuck it, we're not going to wait until the end of this because we want you people, we want you bastards to actually see it. Hey, we love your audience. So, uh, Thomas, do you want to tell, say what happened, what's happening next week? Uh, yeah, because Tony is a five year old kid who can't wait for nice things. Um, so we've been doing this show for a while now, uh, and we and it's time to take the next big step, uh, in terms of the show uh, and doing big things. Uh, we got a pretty a pretty big uh, episode of this dropping uh, next Friday. This is the Friday before the Showdown Throwdown. We have a little special guest who joined us for a quick little interview to discuss her plans for this season, her plans for her faction, and how she's going to conquer the entire Showdown. That's right. Shannon Barney interviewed with us. That interview is dropping on the Friday before the Shimona Throwdown. We're going to be talking everything from the draft to the family versus corruption to go over all the members of her faction um, and to basically ask her like what she's excited for, what, what she's really passionate about in terms of the Shimona. We had a great conversation with her, and I believe the comments that she made – they're gonna hype you. They're they're gonna hype everyone up. Everyone is gonna be excited for corruption. So tune in this Friday for our exclusive interview with Shannon Barney. It's gonna be dropping right here on this page. Uh, it's the day before the Showdown Throwdown. 
Uh, and on that day, we'll also have our uh, weekly live show recapping the Friday show. But that episode will also be dropping on the same day. So watch out for two shows coming from this channel on Friday. One with the queen of the Schmodown, yeah. Miss Shannon Barney. Yeah, so uh, we're going to do our preview episode, which we're going to have a part portion of the interview. Then we're also going to release the full episode the interview because we, we went in the weeds with it. It was a fantastic interview. It really got into a lot of the details, just like really understanding the, the mind of her going into this because it's a case of someone that was being dragged in like, oh, no, you should do this. You should do this. Hey, surprise, you've got about 10 people to manage. And exploring so the mindset of somebody who is that new to managing and just seeing her kind of insight on uh, on how she does it, it's it, it, it it's it's really fascinating. So I, I hope you all watch it. I hope you all enjoy it because we sure did yeah. uh, taping that with her. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be this Friday before uh, the the day before the throwdown. So uh, stay tuned for that one. We got a fantastic promo uh, for this coming up. Uh, she'll be here tomorrow. Uh, just say thank you so much to Peggy Gubbins for editing that for us. She's doing a fantastic job of weighing up above and beyond. Um, you should, speaking of Peggy Gubbins, uh, Fancy Film Fights every Wednesday. You should go watch that on the feature presentation page. Uh, uh, this week, uh, we are doing best Pixar characters. So that's fun. Um, so speaking of Pixar characters, this feels the next match feels very much like Cars. The greatest uh, race uh, ever. Two of the greats compared to Pick him out. I run the. <laughs> I run this bitch. Sorry, pick him out. You're running this bitch into the ground. That's I what know. you're doing. So you're you're running this bitch into a wall and flying in circles like Doc Hudson, or like Lightning McQueen in Cars Three. I was about to say I watched Cars Three <laughs> earlier today. A is a really good film. Cars and B, Doc uh, Hudson. Uh, society of you people who covet the Cars trilogy and think it's God. Gift to mankind. The first one was good. The second one was garbage. The third one was okay. The first the, one is trash. Second one is trash. Third one's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, first, first one's okay-ish. Second one, burn it on a, on a fire. Third one is actually really good. They've really got the characters down. That that whole mentorship thing works perfectly. Uh, but screw it. We're not talking about cars. We're talking about that on Wednesday, probably. If I decide to draft Lightning McQueen, you never know. Um. So uh, Ben Bateman visits Dan Morrill. So. We kind of spoke about this at the beginning of the show. Did well, we should. Have, I should ask. Has there ever been a match more hyped than this in the history of the Smowdown? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is <laughs> that have been hyped from this? Patriots versus Above the Line Two. That promo was ten minutes long. That promo was at least a tenth of the video that dropped. Um, this this was very much hyped. But I think from just from a, I think it's less so because they're two guys from the same faction. Even though you have all the stuff going on with the Finstock Exchange, all the tension between Roca, Bateman, Dagnino, Merle, Riley, even though you have all that going on, <clears throat> they're still members of the same faction. It's not like these are two players who have been at 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 odds since day one of the Shimona. It's not like these have been two teams that have been destined to play each other since they were since they were created. These are two players who are on the same faction who respect each other. Hell, Bateman managed Merle in the New York event. So it, it, it's not like there is just inbred hate between these two um, uh, players, which I think always makes for high anticipation. So there's definitely there definitely have been more anticipated matches. But this, I, I, th I think this one is up there in terms of the talent level that we saw tonight. Spence, any thought? I mean, yeah, I mean – one of the greatest singles matches of all time, one of the greatest title matches of all time. I'm not a fan of the way it turned out, 
And at the end of the day, Dan Merle is the greatest singles competitor of all time. So what do you expect? But um, actually, so I was going to Twitter uh, back up minutes ago, and Bibiani had a great tweet that I wanted to like echo his sentiments. Of while Bateman is the greatest strategist in the showdown, Dan Merle is the most knowledgeable. So Bateman's failure, when it came down to it, was not being one point ahead. So when you went to sudden death, you were he had a pretty good chance of losing, just because Dan knows more than pretty much everyone involved in the show. True. Um, yeah, it just feels like moral, like you need to ju- just have that little bit, not not even intelligence of the game, but just like that tiny bit of luck of just like being able to figure out one thing that he's not thought of. But um, so actually, uh, speak, something got, that got announced that kind of changes the uh, page for quite a lot of this. Um, the uh, rule now is that when factions play against each other, uh, the losing person does not get any points. So if you have a faction versus faction match now, it's now to the detriment of your players, if you're a manager. But you're also guaranteed some points at the end of the day. You're, you're guaranteed points, but then but you don't get points for both players. Whereas if you uh, decide to... like Obviously, in a title match, you're never going to say no, but if, like, um, what I'm thinking is uh, Ben Goddard versus Brett Sheridan for the den. They can now go, no, screw that. We don't want to play each other because neither... Only one of them yeah. is going to get points. We might as well split them off, have two matches where they have a chance for more points. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's it's personally. I don't, I don't think it's 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 that big a deal. You know, it, it makes sense because if you have players going up against each other, I, there really shouldn't be like a monopoly on on points or, or things like that. Especially this this early in the season. Um, I think if this rule had been, I think it's a good thing this rule was enacted now rather than like in June, July when you've already. Had matches like this drop i think if, if you're gonna do it you do it right now and i'm told and I, i'm i'm totally okay with that well i i think i i think to look at it is if your players are in a title match you still you still win you still get more points by getting to a title match in the first mm-hmm. place and it's better for you to get there and to not get some points than for another faction to get there and still get points if they lose even sure. by losing you're still preventing other factions from getting more points at the, at the end of the year do you want them to get as little as possible? I think it's fair. Very true. That's a different way of thinking of it than I did. Um, so uh, this started off where Harloff probably announced that there were going to be no promos from IF competitors before this match started. As then if Dag- you. <laughs> then Dagnina got Mike. Like, on the scale of one to ten, how certain were you? I know, um, Scully, you mentioned this in our private chat, on how certain you were that some shit was going to go down. I, I I was adamant. I was like, "Oh, Dino takes the mic. Roka looks pissed. If Dan loses, they're done. They are done." Um, but I think now that Dan won, it's going to be harder to trade a guy who has half the belts the league has to offer. Because um, you, you, at the end of the day, you want those belts. Um, so I think Dan's win has sort of quelled those trade rumors for now. Um, but I don't think we we need we have to ignore the tension between Roca and Dagnino and Bateman. That's that's something that I think is going to come up um, if either Ro- if if either Roca or Dan loses their belts. Yeah, just feels like just a powder keg rig go off now with Roca, especially. Like obviously, uh, Spence is now set in sun silence because of fear of John Roca. Oh no, my my computer just sort of flipped around. Um, I had to be nice to Roca for. What was that like 24, like 36 more hours, and I'm good? Beth. Yeah. Actually, no, it's 48. Yeah, 48 hours. Um, I mean, in all respect, 
John Rocha said it best when he was like, he said the competitors weren't cutting promos. Uh, managers did though, and that's fair. And I think I do think it's weird. <laughs> I, I think it's weird that Rocha's Rocha was like, I can't believe Doug Dagnino cut a fucking promo. No, I'm going to because Dagnino didn't say anything bad about Dan. It's like no. I'm confident in Ben's abilities. They're both great players, and I'm managing Ben today because. <laughs> And whatever. He and at no point did he say like both. Dan's fucking going down. Hmm? He spoke for, for, for both of them. Yeah. And yeah. Roka's like, well, it's my turn. Respect you out. Like, what the fuck, Roka? Like, like, this isn't me being angry at him. Just like, they were both nice and he came at it aggressive. And great, that's a, that's a Roka thing. He's a very boisterous, boisterous personality and he wants to get it started. He's great at cutting promos. The promo mm-hmm. was great. But it's like, you didn't need to go that far. You're going to be like, Ben, you're incredible, but so is Dan. Good match. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. And that just, and I, and I think that just shows how worried he is about the trade rumors because he would have, because he, he, he does that to hype up Dan, to, to make Dan, to reassure Dan that, hey, I got you. We're together till the end of the line. You're the better player here. Let's make it happen. Scully, we're done with the IG talk now. You don't, you don't need to quote Captain America. I'm sorry. It's a fourth or hybrid. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that he's, he's definitely, he definitely knows that a trade could be on the horizon. And if that happens, he wants to stay with Dan no matter what. And that was a way to reassure Dan, hey, I'm with you. I'm speaking for you, not both you and Bateman. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going into round one. So, it, it seemed that. Uh, Morrow seemed to be more jovial than he has in a lot of matches by keep going back to the well of the Sir and Lord joke. You never really see that side of that Morrow before. It felt I, very... uh, I, I was worried. I was worried that Bateman was going to um, uh, that Bateman was going to challenge I, his answer was wrong. Like Sir John Wu. I, I, I think uh, honestly, you have to think. Bateman may be thinking to himself, "Hey, if I challenge that Sir John Luke question or or Laura Tom Hanks, he gets the wrong. I win the match." Legitimately, this was Bateman's match to lose, and I, I think I think I think the issue of it is like he had everything to gain and everything to lose. Mm-hmm. If he had not been in the same faction, it wasn't so like light and fun. If Ben went into this scorched earth style, he would have destroyed Dan in the match, and you see that in his speed round, and you see that in the in the betting round. If he goes full, like, if he puts himself 110% into this, he wins the match. And even if it were those two bits where it's like, at least if he brought Dagnino on stage and pretended like he was going, trying to challenge, it was like, at least throws a brick into Murrow's thing because he's pretty proven in that freeway match that Murrow can get a tiny bit rattled with the idea of constant multi- challenge requests. So if you just toy with that and just like, and make it an effect thing. That's a ta- valuable weapon you have against Moro now. Especially if he's giving you such ammunition, just like just rolling over in his belly, just like, hey, here you are. Have a good, have a chat and yeah. on me. Well, in, like in, in a perfect world, even like like um in the actual live stream itself, it took him a long time to get Ben's music ready. I was thinking, like, what if I hear like the acoustic still dry they got going now? And it's the team action, the heel thing, which would never happen suddenly like that. But I'm thinking, like, you oh, know, what if? I think it's dream, Spence. Shut the fuck up. Um, but I think I think in this perfect world of like in my own perfect world of Ben going heel, he also he still he like he wins the match. He comes in in the stand thing and he gets in Merle's head. Mm. Ben being a face here is what lost in the match, in my opinion. Because like, you do you're not gonna have more knowledge than Dan. You're not gonna you're not gonna beat him in sudden death. You you he'll hit a five pointer before you will. 
you need to get some leg up over him. It's, the strategy obviously wasn't enough. Here's the head games would would have been what decided it. So, uh, both players kind of seem to be on power with each other until the sixth question, which was a comedy question. Uh, what spoof movie franchise had the uh, smell of fear and the final install as category as subtitles? Uh, we didn't see what more, uh, Bateman's answer was, but that was the first. That was the first blow in that match. Bateman got that incorrect. Like. <laughs> Put it in bold, like holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. It's, Did you know that? Yeah. Final insult. Naked Gun three, uh, three and a half. I I know Naked Gun, Naked Gun third, three and a third, but it's like I don't. I, I didn't know they had subtitles. I thought that was just the numbers. I didn't know the smell of fear, but I definitely knew Final Insult was Naked Gun. I thought they're like I think forty four. Ben Bateman did it. This really is the the, uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> what but, can I say? I, would, I could just want, I thought I thought there was with like the subtitles to like Naked Gun forty four and a quarter forty five and a fifth like I thought they were just fucking with us like I had I was thinking like what parody franchise it's not Austin Powers it's not Scream it's not Scary Movie what the fuck is it Yeah, Final yeah. Insult is the last Naked Gun one there from memory service but like it seems it really does seem to rattle Bayman getting that question wrong like how Yeah. How long into the match did it take? Because he also did get his final question wrong of that on the animated uh, The Clown with Terror Face and Oogie Boogie in which film? Totally unintentional. I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> I um, I think, I think we're going to get into it in a second. I think Ben is in his head until round three. I agree. Like He was not. He was. He came that day. He came in. I, I think, I'm not sure if you guys picked up on it. When he, like when Christian asked him, like, are you ready? He's like, yeah, let's do, let's do this. Like he he was nervous. He was scared, and I think it, I think he needed to like buy into his own hype to get into the match. Yeah, I think in a match like that, you start with the even playing field. We know that Merle is the better player, so Bayman knows the second Merle gets a, gets a higher ground, like a, like a high ground over him. Another IG reference. Um, he knows that Merle is going to control the match, and Bateman needed to take control of that match. And he was able to do it with that third, uh, with that third round opponent's choice. That was how he got him back. He took control of it and he made it his game. We were playing Merle's game up, up like for, for the first two rounds. It did seem like that way. Um, so um, Merle does go perfect in the first round. It ends up being nine six. Um, so it does. Uh, so Merle decides like Bateman go first. And then he ends up uh, spinning, getting fancy sci-fi spinning, getting getting no Efron, which felt such like a, a wit, like a category in spite of Merle. I don't know whether that was a choice from. I, I know uh, Rogue mentioned at the end uh, Tyler Perry was one of Bateman's choices. I don't know if Nora Efron was as well because it makes a lot of sense for that to be because of what we've seen of rom-coms being a weakness in the past for Merle. Hmm. Um, it's also like um, if you look, if you, I think. As a strategist, Ben made a good good choice. If it is his, I don't think it was because of the tell to take that beforehand. Ben is good at studying. He's a very good studier. And or Efron as a brand new category and as a shallow category that is studyable, it's a good choice for him because you'll get easier questions that you can actually prepare for. Yeah. Um. Uh. Bateman does go perfect in a round, uh, going eight for eight, and and falling to nine. Um. Like. It also seemed like Bateman, he was messing around with his glasses a little bit. He was doing a bit of like waiting to the very last second that strategy so he does. Like it felt more that he was just like going, All right, fuck it, I'm just gonna play my game. I don't care about being a face reveal now. 
it seemed like that, that last question where he got to his glasses off and he was just like, just toying with him a little bit, it just seemed to be like, okay, this is me now getting back into being Ben Bateman. Yeah, I, I, no, 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 sorry. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think that him getting Efron, that was a big turning point. Um, however, it still wasn't his match, even though he got, he got a perfect and he was resorting to his old Bateman tactics. Dan still was in control because Dan was only down five with his spin left with, with, with his spin still to come. So Dan still held all the cards, but this was a good first step and Bateman tried to like, Wrestle control of the match back from Merle. And then uh, Merle ends up spinning again halfway and keeping it. Like, Spencer, do you think that was just, well, obviously, it ended up being a wise choice in the end since he won, but do you think he should have spun again just to, to try and put the just put the boot down and just try and finish it earlier? Or? Well, I, again, I think, I think Dan's learned a lot from Ben, and we saw that. I think, oh, I forget what match it was, but he spun something like this before. Or just like a single single actress, and we're like, are you sure? And he, and he went perfect. Um, I think I think the colossal question is a little hard. As one of the few fans in the movie, even I was a little stumped on it because it's a context question that they sure whatever Tony. I I, I guess Japan just because of the kaiju connection. After that, it was stumped. So I I but I, I, I but I knew the other three. I think they're fair questions. I think Dan's were a little were a lot easier than Ben's because they were less context. But I mean, it's not a bad choice because that's. I keep bringing it up when we talk about how questions are written. If you talk about gendered strength, Anne Hathaway is a, typically a gendered strength, hmm. which means the male competitors, which is most of the league, are going to spin away from it. So on average, the questions are going to be easier. If Dan comes into this and studies that, he's going to get easier questions, and he's going to get them more, right more often. I think, it's a, I think it's a smart choice. And also, I think Anne Hathaway is a very strict filmography. Uh, she's been in a lot of really big movies like Les Mis. Um, like well, I especially for people my age, Princess Diaries, um, Interstellar, like that, like like these are movies that are very well known. Colossal, the only one not being one super well known, but it's also a recent one, so it's one people would have been more inclined to see because it's a recent release. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm just looking now, just trying to think of what Anna Hathaway films, like in small independent films she's ever done. Let me. Um... Apart from I mean, like, you could do Rachel getting married. I don't think I don't think a lot of people like rush out to see that. But that's about it. Like, like love and other drugs potentially. Like Rachel. Don Quixote. Is she, wait, is she is she in that new Don Quixote movie? No, this was in 2014. Don Peyote. I it don't was, know uh, that at the theatrical release. It. It might not. Have, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Big enough actress. Do you think you would hear about everything she's in? Like, um, so like I was writing questions for a match today and it's, it isn't like an actual thing. It's for my own school. So I can talk about it. It's like, Tom, how many movies have Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan starting together? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's three. Yeah. It's four. They're in a, in a 2015 movie called Ithaca that yep. no one remembers. Directed by Ryan. Isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yep. So it's like suddenly the fun, the question has fundamentally changed. It has now moved from like a three pointer to like a five pointer championship match. Cause no one fucking remembers Ithaca. Remember Ithaca? It's not a bad film. Um, so, so come back to this one quickly. All right, stop staring at me. It's my channel. Our, ch our channel. Pop. Um, <laughs> so uh, does the first question Mora gets wrong in this match? Like, and then it ends up only being a one-point lead going into the third round. Then, so this is when. So 
in the spectacular match when it was Bateman versus Bibiani, um, there was a lot of controversy about opponents' first choice being on the wheel for a third round, like, and it once again proved proved to be a important part where opponent's choice gone came up and Bateman had the choice. Do you think that opponents' choice opponents' choice should be allowed in the third round? I, it, it, yeah, I, I think so. I think if if, if like for, for strategy points, if you're if you're for the champion and you're down, you and you get spinner's choice, like we saw with Bateman, you wrestle control the match right back because that was a huge turning point. Because then Bateman got the category he wanted, he got three points out of it. Merle didn't bet anything, and all of a sudden Bateman's in the lead, and he has the momentum going into into these last two rounds. Yeah, uh, going with the narrative like the master strategist again. Dan knows more than Ben, and he's taking every precaution possible to make sure that he wins that match, and that is the way he does it. And even if Dan gets player's choice, what is he going to do? Get another perfect round? Because that seems pretty like on par for him. Ben had every, again, everything to gain from Spinner's choice and the opponent's choice. Because then like, he knows the wheel beforehand, he studies it, and he's ready. He just knows how to screw over, how to screw over Dan. And Tyler Perry is the perfect category to do that. Because it, it's a he's a director slash actor slash studio head, who absolutely no one has like a burning desire to see him in the showdown. I don't think. Like I think he's the one person. He's I think he's the one person as a slice. People are going to be like hear the name and actively go away. That's where. But that. But you, Bateman said he loves the the Talperian movie. So that's a huge strength for him. Yeah. That's, there's no way that's true. There is absolutely no way is that. I think. Why? Why not? Because I mean, well, number one, they're bad movies. Well, number, number two, it's just again like talking to the man. Like, doesn't seem like the kind of thing that he'd be interested in. Like, doesn't seem like his genre or his piece of film. Andrew Guy, yes, I'd, I'd see that because because Guy is like he prefers the romance films, and a lot of Tyler Perry stuff is either the romance or the trashy thrillers that are still appealing to how he was raised. It doesn't seem like a bad movie. Okay. But Ben just loves Medea. I mean, like, Why? granted, that question, it like, I I just flat out guessed mechanic and it ended up being like the correct answer because like when you're dealing with like a, like a blue collar worker, there, there's just like only several professions that come into mind. Mechanic, which is the first thing, I was like, oh, mechanic. I don't know, house, you know, construction worker, mechanic, was were like the only two that came to mind. I was like, okay, mechanic. Hi, um, Peggy's comment. Never remember like a bad movie, Spence. Fuck Hashtag Chicago. You, Peggy, and your fucking. No, no, no. Who, who fucking directed your favorite movie? Came out like 2001, Albert Brooks or some shit. I don't care. Some, some 1991, whatever it is. Okay. Peggy's like, oh, we should watch this really fucking stupid romance film. I... Defending your life. Yes, that one. Yeah, she's made me watch that before. It's all right. All right, uh, better. let's go. Uh, let's go back into this. So it ends up at uh, Bateman just shoots uh, Tyler Perry as a thing, and so Murrell goes zero, Bateman goes three, and that's where the whole match kind of feels like it. That felt like it was just a massive swing back into Bateman's power. But you have to really commend Murrell and Roca in general because we heard in the post match, Murrell was like, "Okay, is it, I, I'll, I'll go zero or one, zero or one." And Roka's like, all right, what is your death are you? Like, what, like, how do you feel this is going to go for you? And Merle's like, zero. And Roka's like, go for it. Just go, go for it. It feels and like... He gets, and he, he gets zero, 
and that's what kept him in the match. He he knows that he doesn't know Perry. He made a judgment call. He bet zero, and the, and all of a sudden he's only down by two. And even though the speed round didn't didn't work in his favor, he was still in the match. I it, it felt like such a dangerous move for Moro to do. That it's like going just pretty much taking an entire round out. If it's a category you know that there's a slim chance you're going to get it, if you bet one or two points, all of a sudden it's not 17-15, it's 17-14, it's 17-13. If you're battling a three, four-point deficit going into the speed round, which is which is what Bateman drools over, and then all of a sudden in round five, you're not down by five, you're down by six, you're down by seven, and then your coffin is being wheeled up to the school ready for your funeral. However, it's also the case of sitting out an entire round just feels so wrong. Like you're pretty much get, like even if you're not going for one point, at least it might be a simple question. But again, just got his biggest strength, and you know he's going to hit it, and you know you're not going to hit it. Why risk it? Why not just say, all right, he gets this. It's a foregone conclusion. He has this round. This is his category. He loves these movies. I'm going to sit this one out. He'll take the lead. He'll take a two point lead. And I just got to rally in rounds four or five because there's two rounds left with massive point swings in play. So Merle, I think, had the, the correct mindset. I think Roka did a good job trusting Merle to make that judgment call right there. And I, again, that, 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 that's why Merle is one of the greatest of all time because he makes decisions like that on the fly and he keeps himself in matches like that. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like, uh, like obviously, Snyder and the Oyama match, that's what it felt like. Uh, he's kind of blamed that he went at one point in the Ben round. That's the reason why he lost that match. Like It does feel that it's now going to be a strategy going forward, is, um, which is terrifying for if you're a player sat there. But um, so moving on to round four. So, um, Spencer, uh, how do you feel about uh, Do you think Moral even tried in round four? Or we, do you... I think I, I, we're talking about round three. Ben was okay. like Ben was feeling himself, like he like he was ready for this, and, and that I, I think I think going into this he was like he was very much like ready. He's like buzz 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 buzz, which is why he I think he he screwed himself out of that um black the Black Panther question because yeah. he was like he jumped to it. He's like oh I like this move. Let's do this one. Like he needed he needed to slow down, which I think is what yeah, lost for the match, but like. He's a good speed around player. We've seen that in all of stars. He, he has very good and quick uh, recall. I was very concerned that that Ben was gonna cave in in that fourth round. I was because he got the first one right. Then he, he like like he had the right year. He knew Black Panther, but he said Infinity War, and that's one of the things where you have two seconds to answer. You get in your head a little bit, and then he missed it. And that at that moment, I thought, oh boy, if Dan just even gets one of these right, Bateman's gonna collapse. He's gonna take the lead. And that'll be all she wrote. But good on Bateman for, you know, for composing himself, getting the last three right, and he took a five point lead going in, 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 into the last round, which is like as we talked about on this show, five points or less keeps you in it. Six points or more pretty much ends it. And yeah. you see the five six point you, you saw it, because it was it, it was a five point deficit. Dan was able to tie it, and Ben missed his five. If it had been a six point deficit. Ben would have won this with his three-pointer. True. All right, so uh, Bateman does go four for five and not get one incorrect, so it does mean that it's a three-point uh, victory for him in that to take it to 20 to 15. So 
It felt like the winds were blowing in Bateman's favor at that point. He had that, he, the Spinner's Choice gave him that three point lead. He got that big win on that in a spin speed round of getting every single question. It felt like Destiny was on his side going into this final round. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hmm. It's frustrating because I, I think breaking it down, actually uh, Frank did a great analysis of it uh, on Twitter, I think like a week ago, where it was like Ben's hit more fives, but each time he's hit a five, he's lost a match, where it just came down to like, if can Dan hit his five? And he did. It was like, oh, Ben can hit this. I think he made a bad guess at the end though, unfortunately. But like Ben had to hit his five or else he lost. And this, a little, this again, this comes down to how you play the game. Round, round three slash five or whatever is raw knowledge. Ben did not have the raw knowledge. Dan did. And that's what's going to define the two players. Of He couldn't, he, he couldn't gain the system then. And that's what lost in the match. That's, and, and, that, and that's what I've, I've spoken about in the past. This game, it's two parts. One part trivia, knowledge. One part strategy. Dan had the upper hand in the knowledge. Dan had the upper hand in, 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 in strategy. Dan's strategy in round three to sit it out, bet zero, elevated him a little bit. Ben couldn't catch up in, in, in the knowledge parts, and that's all she wrote. I, looking at the way round five works as well, it did feel that it was kind of, I don't, obviously nothing in a small is written apart from like some of the storylines, but it did feel like it was written in the stars. Like Dan's five point was a rom-com question to get that against the other member of team action because rom-com was such a, was pretty much the thing that fell him against Andrew Guy. Dan, and then uh, Dan, uh, Ben Bateman in his 3.1 game classics, the thing that fell Paul Oyama. Like it felt that it was just like, it. everything felt that it was going Bateman's way. And then that five-pointer uh, in Judd Apatow in heavyweights, what's the name of the new head counselor from far away? I, yeah, I, it's, I, mean, it's, uh, I think this match in general was a tough break for, for Bateman. Um, but I'm kind of glad Dan won because Dan really was the better player tonight. He missed two questions for the entire match. Ben missed five. He, he was... Can't stand a better player throughout the whole match. Um, and even though Ben is the master of, of strategy with Dagnino, Dan had that Dan had that 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 little bit of strategy in round three, and that put that 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 put him over the edge. Um, just quickly, um, Peggy Gubbins, that rom com five point it felt more like a three point, but I'm biased. Uh, so it was. Uh, I, I don't like that. I really don't like that question. I would just quickly say, uh, Michael Zero and Kat Dennings appears in what 2008 romantic comedy? So, it... well, I mean, if, if like casual fans, they'll know who Michael Stara and Kat Dennings are, but they're not going to think, oh, what movie are are those two in together? I like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like it, and I, I straight up didn't know it. I did not know that that movie had those two actors in it because I've never seen that movie. Um. Uh, so I, I can see why the I can see the qualms of it not being uh, being a five pointer because it's the, the movie came out twelve years ago. It's a more recent film. If it had been like a nineteen eighty eight film or a nineteen seventy eight film, then it would have been more inclined to be a five pointer because it's older. But new, we we rarely ever see newer films 
with we rarely ever see data questions about newer films in the five point category. True. Yeah. This was one of the first instances where we saw that. Also, it's a dodgy title as well to remember. It, it is. That's very true because you could have easily, like, instead of Nick and Nora's infinite playlist, you could have said uh, uh, Nick and Nora's Nora's definite playlist or something. Or or endless playlist. Or something like that. Nick and Nora or something like that would look like just one small change. Like, like, title is all she wrote. But, but, I mean, if you get down to the the phrasing of those two five-pointers that we heard, one is name a movie one is name a character from from a semi-obscure comedy and then again it's also a foreign name which granted was not a hard one but being a foreign name you're you're likely to flip it up i think these are like fundamentally like on like they're unfair five point questions however but this, the situation is always going to be though but it's those are the two types of questions that you get in the showdown and any movie match you get Either it's a IMDb question or it's a plot based question. So, unless they do it where it's a case of they decide, all right, you're both getting plot point questions, you're both getting data uh, movie questions. Yeah. Well, it's, um, and, and like even, even if you break it down, like you can guess your five pointer, and you should not be able to guess a five pointer. Michael Sarah and Kat Dennings, you got two actors, go through their IMDb, do it. And for me, like, I, like, just because the way I got the answer is look, look at Michael Sarah. Scott Pogham was 2010, Juno was 2006 or 2008, whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. Gotta find so, out, like, or no, 2006, yeah. Gotta um, find what was in the middle. What would he, what was like the smaller film he would have done in the middle there? Like, da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, Nick and Nora, possibly, because I know that he was in that. I didn't know it was Kat Dennings, but looking at the poster, and like I saw the book at, in high school, so I could see the cover of it, which was also from the movie. But also, uh, on the flip like, side, if you're not familiar with those two actors and, and their filmography, like right now, I wanna say, like, like right now, I want to say um Infinite Playlist, and I'm thinking Zach and Mary made a porno. I'm literally right now confusing those two movies because they're the same structure. It's two names and then like an adjective and then like the thing that they're doing or the thing that they have. Yeah, the one that I got confused with was uh Jesse and Celeste Forever. I was in my head to go yeah, I to no that one of this one. I guarantee you no one else made that mistake. <laughs> I know that uh, if I say Nick and Nora's in the playlist 10 times, one of those times I'm going to say Zach and Mary make a porno. I think you're just thinking about other things right now, Scully. Yeah. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. All right. No. So we'll get into the mobile truck, uh, some death now. So uh, both of them get their first question right. The second one, uh, who co-star with Charlie Sheen and Men at Work? Fuck that. Fuck that, man. I honestly thought that was an easy question because I yeah. I've never seen the movie. It's the GIF. Everyone's seen that GIF of them both. What GIF? It's a GIF. It's a GIF. I of don't two, know it. The two uh, trashmen yeah. clapping. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I guess I, I guess I have Peggy Pearson. Yeah, that's those two like nodding, like. But also, like Emilio Estevez is like that's not a, that's not like a face that I know. Like, have you ever seen The Breakfast Club? I have. You ever seen the face Woody stands Bob? out to me. You ever seen the Mighty Ducks? No, I haven't. Don't waste my time on bullshit sports movies. Get the fuck out. Any sports movie not named Warrior or Creed is bullshit. Get out. But yeah, it's obviously it is uh, also one of the only films where Emilio and Charlie both brothers did together. So it's kind of it. It felt like it's one of those ones. Obviously, if you can't remember it, it's. 
I just an interesting one because we've we've never really spoken about sudden deaths on the show before. What level should the questions be? Should they be a one pointer? Should they be a three pointer? Round one. It goes back to round one. So it should be like one point questions. Well, the, the way I see it, it should be like the free for all, where it's just like it's like a mix of one twos and threes. And I think I think that's fair as long as you know how to balance it correctly. You shouldn't just throw three after three after three, but it like. Just keep it like the free for all. Just write the questions as you feel them coming, and just throw them out there. And like, um, and going going into sudden death, like I remember, I was like, because I didn't know the answer when he said fucking Chaz. Everyway, it's like okay, shit, going to sudden death. Dan wins. I knew on the yeah. moment Dan won because Dan's performed better at the free for all. Ben's, I think, is I think in most he's gone like and won is five rounds. He's not great at the free for all. And that comes because he's going against really strong competition, but still, end of the day, Dan just would get better that then. So uh, wrapping this up, so Damaral now the new champion. It's um, he still seems to be intent on going into Nagita and trying to do the Mackie free belts thing, Danny free belts. Uh, he obviously he kind of warded off people saying that like, oh, I'm going to show more respect. So I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. Uh, but like, is that a smart move? You're a champion now in two leagues. Should you just focus on, like, just put off in the game for another year and just focus on the fact that you've got two fucking titles? I, I, th- I think Dan is, at, is in an incredibly advantageous uh, position where he has such strong core knowledge that all he has to do is study IG stuff, and he can still win because... I mean, if, he, if you put Lord of the Rings and Star Trek on a wheel, 90% of players, if they hit that, they won't go perfect. Dan can still go perfect while maintaining a career in IG. I think, I think he's in a great place where he doesn't need to ride that position to the top. Hmm. Because you don't, need to, like, you don't need to constantly be at the top of your game. It's once every like three months, you need to go in, like, okay, I'm playing a single title match. Let's review some of the stuff. Let's review my strengths. Is there any, it's like, and then start quizzing yourself. What don't you know? Go through your old matches. Dan, like sitting here, Dan is extremely likely to get. And I won't say he'll get that third belt, but I think he can do very well in IG while still maintaining uh, the singles title and defend it repeatedly. Well, you also have to think about the the founding fathers because they're going to have a match coming up soon uh, against the winner of the family and and corruption, and Dan's going to have to study for that team's title match along with IG. And I, but I also think he has an advantage because he's got Mark Knopic in his corner. Helping him with IG. Uh, it's an interesting situation, like, and it's really going to see uh, how much Damarol can put himself through for this division. But on the other hand, uh, what does Ben Bateman do now? Like, does he now f- focus on who's the boss? Does he trying like get back to the pinnacle of the singles division? Because it felt like there was something missed. Almost like he had a fantastic performance, but there was something that wasn't the boss about him that day because he wasn't a heel <laughs> like honestly and i think the same thing the same thing could happen for andrew guy coming into the match against corruption or anything else the family does is sometimes they're just meant to be a heel and ben might just play better as a heel granted there is no proof of that and he's performed better than ever as a face but just speculatively, that may have been what held him back tonight. And I, I said that earlier, where if he actually played like a heel and didn't care about being respective, mm. he could have won. Also, post-match, he was definitely humbled by what happened because he knew he played a great strategy game, but he knew Dan played a better game, hands down. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and he knew that no, like no matter what character storyline whatever he had to give props to Dan and Dan and he had to sort of you know take his medicine a little bit settle down and just accept and just sort of accept and just bask in the glory that that is Dan Merle because I think after a performance like that that's really all you can do right. Uh, do you think we see Dam- another uh, Ben Bateman in another title match this year, be it singles oh, yeah. or teams? I, I think I, th- I think I think if we do, uh, I think I think in singles, if we do, it'll be at Spectacular because I think this this puts him out of the singles title picture. I think until maybe the the, the tournament, he might have an, another chance in the summer. Um, yeah. But also. Um, I think for teams they'll have they'll have a really good chance. Like like if, if they beat the odd couple, they might get another more contenders match. Um and they'll get a chance to maybe take on founding fathers and who knows, they may, if they if that happens, maybe they'll be on different factions by then. No. <laughs> or, mm, I because I, I think the issue is that we also have the next title picture set up is you know and Roka got into it. Him versus Oyama, the winner play the winner plays the winner of Snyder and Irwin. Center. And then yeah, and then where does Ben fit into that? Because that's a good like those matches fill up about a month and then you got like two months anticipation or something. And then by then you're into the summer and maybe you get like a really quick title picture. Maybe it's like Ben versus Snyder again. Or not, not, not again, but like the possibility, because I don't think Snyder beats Erwin. And then or he faces the loser. Hmm? Or maybe, maybe you have Ben against like whoever comes out of this massive rookie gauntlet, whether it's the Barbarian, whether it's Ben yeah. Goddard or, some, or, or somebody like that. It won't be Ben Goddard, but somebody, yeah. somebody like that. He has a chance. Um, I, I, I honestly like. I think Ben can have like like what uh, Snyder had in New York last season. That's the best chance Ben has until the tournament. But then the issue is, if he gets that, then he can't play in the play tournament. The and he's done that before. He's been in that position before and ended up being knocked out for the tournament. Yeah. So it's it is an interesting position for Bayman to be in. It's like because. Uh, and also, it's a case of can he turn his season around? Because we saw even Owen last season, he lost the title first match out, and the, scene, the rest of the season was pretty much a wash for him. I, is Bateman able to pick himself up by the bootstraps? He didn't play until he played uh, Haley Fash. Yep. All right, and uh, Time Machine was a bust. Dali for Janine. It malfunctioned. Ah. Uh, all right, um, so... One last week. we'll uh, have a quick discussion about this before we go. So, um, as Roka mentioned, there is that four way that four way picture for the title going forward. So, it's uh, Roka versus Oyama versus, and then Irwin versus Snyder. Who do you think is going to be the person taking on Merle? Oh, actually, sorry, let me change that two questions. Who who do you think it is, and who do you think would have the best shot to beat Merle? Oyama on on because mm-hmm. he's done it before, he's he's beaten Merle before, and he can do it again. Um, and after getting knocked out at Spectacular, if you think Pauliyama isn't going to come back with the most fire in his belly of like almost any competitor we've ever seen, you're out of your mind. Pauliyama, I think, is going to beat Roka. As, mu- as, as much as I like how Roka's playing right now, he's going to beat Roka. I think, I think Oyama, uh, like w- w- what we saw in New York between Oyama and Snyder was a very diluted performance from both of them. Put them both at full strength. Oyama wins. Oyama versus Irwin would be a real fun match, but also Irwin still has a couple of naggy weaknesses. I think Oyama can play on, and he can win. 
And I think yeah. Oyama has the best chance out of the four, except except maybe Roka because Roka's been a teammate of Dan's for a while now. But I think I, it's still Oyama on both. I think Oyama is a bet more likely to come out of the gauntlet. I think the most likely to beat Dan is actually Snyder. Because I think I think as okay, let's let's look at this as a as a strategist first. I think with everyone in his faction in his corner, he studies animation and he studies Pixar. He beats he beats uh, Irwin. I think he doesn't take us. He, he's he's not as um, dedicated into the intense challenge of it like we saw today against Ben. And then him and Roka sort of sort of just go back and forth and Dan wins on pure knowledge. I think he has a fire under his belly or under his ass, whatever you want. To get revenge on Oyama, he studies his ass off, beats Oyama. Snyder, he has the least to give a shit about, and Snyder has the most to give a shit about. I think Roxy will do 100% again as a manager. Snyder will know that he's good enough to be in a title contention, and he will work, and he will work, and he will do everything possible to beat, to beat Merle. He is the most hungry for a match against Merle, and Merle is the least hungry for a match against Snyder. That's true, because if you look at it, like, the only other person... The only person that I think Murrow could feel like a bit more confident about is facing Irwin because he's beaten him before. Like Roka, obviously, have that just competitive nature playing against your team partner and the person that's like your greatest rival. Oyama, he has a victory over him. Like Snyder's a complete fresh air for him, so that's gonna be. I don't think they've ever played each other. Unless I'm forgetting yeah, something. They were. They would have played each other if Harloff had beaten Snyder. Um. And yeah, but I yeah, my I agree that 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 Snyder's gonna be hungry. However, on pure knowledge, I I I think that his match with Irwin is gonna be a bit rough. Um, because I mean, I think even if he beats Irwin, I think in a Roka Snyder rematch, I think Roka takes that, and I think in a Yama Snyder rematch. Oyama takes that because Oyama is still irritated about the New York performance. Snyder, Snyder is the least likely to win the actual bracket itself. Let's be fair here. Yeah. Snyder is far and away the weakest of those four competitors. However, who is the most likely to beat to beat Merle? I think Merle now really intensely cares about the game, and I think Snyder is hungry for respect. I, I think also, this community does not give him enough respect, and he knows that. Also, keep in mind that. If Merle would play Snyder, guess who's on the other side of Snyder? His former manager. So you would have Tom Magnino going up against Jeff Snyder. And the last time Jeff Snyder went up against a client of Tom Dagnito's JTE, he lost. Someone the last time Snyder was up against somebody who, who was familiar with his game, he lost. And let's be honest, JTE should not have beaten Snyder on pure knowledge. True. Well, also that, that that was a very tight match. Let's be fair. It was, and I'm saying I'm saying Roka, uh, uh, Merle Snyder would be a tight match. However, Dagnino's knowledge of Snyder would play a big factor. In it. Oh, we forget. If you're looking at managers, then Snyder does have the best manager in the out the only three that isn't Roka. Because you have uh, Winston Marshall for Oyama and then Murad Mabinet for Irwin. Mm. So with no offense to Winston, like he could be a fantastic manager. We've not seen him yet. Winston has improved, and he's only yeah. It's just, it's just been RB three. Winston has like I think RB RB or not RB three. RMB is the worst manager of the nine. Let's settle that right now. He is by far and away the absolute worst manager. 
are we are and fucking shit, man? Winston is untested because he's only been he's only had been a manager for one match. We can't count him out. Yeah. And then Fitzock is managing Roker. Roker is incredible. Fitzock is incredible. Like that's like I think that's the bigger match there. I think Irwin crushes Snyder any day of the week just because, on pure knowledge. But Roxy being like Roxy managing somehow the number four seed in this is strange. But that Roxy as a manager is the only thing that gives me confidence that Snyder could somehow beat Irwin. Roxy does her homework, and she's a great, great, great manager. Yeah, I, I that I think might be Snyder's biggest weapon, especially against in going up against uh, having a another Roxy versus Dagnina match. All right, um, so that's pretty much it. Actually, uh, one last thing I want to ask you too, just one more question, one more answer that I'm looking for. Uh, free for all coming up at the end of the. It's technically this month now for the UK over here in the UK. Um, who's the out? Who's the outside shot to win? Let's go first. Video Drew. <laughs> like, I, I, th- I think she'll be like, uh, like um, John Humphrey. Well, not, not John Humphrey. I, th- I think she'll be like Brienne. She'll come in late. I think she has enough core knowledge that she can come through on those last few rounds. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't have like a Bibiani or a Merle who just like shot their way through, I think Video Drew can pull the upset. But also Tom. Tom can do it. Thomas Terry. I could say Tom's probably in your top like six or seven people looking at it. Yeah, but I, I, I have two. Go on. One is Tom's teammate Paul Preston. King Paul mm-hmm. Preston has a very good shot to win. Team Ayahuasca, yeah. Chance Ellison. Ooh. We have not seen Chance since the team title match in or in uh, Orlando. Orlando. I am very, very confident that. Chance Ellison is going to come out this season with fiery performance first in the throwdown and then in um, the free for all. And did, did, you, did you, uh, did you see Meg's stats on Twitter? Uh, I think it was earlier yeah. t- yesterday. Chance Ellison is the only player ranked in the top single competitors to have an average perfect first round. And as the and as on top of that, has one of the highest accuracy rates going to the third round and highest points in the third round. Chance he has Ellison. the most well-rounded knowledge of all the of any competitor. He look his his season last year. He did win a belt, but it didn't end how he wanted it to. He lost in the first round to Bibiani, um, and he and he lost his team belt. But it, but he's he he's gonna want that opportunity back because he knows in singles he's got to work. He's got to work his ass off to get a chance in singles. He's 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 pretty set in teams, but if he can win that and get a single shot, we could be looking at a Bibiani a Bibiani situation where he's able to challenge for the, uh, get a number one contender shot or a title match and be able to get the belt that way. So I think I, I think that's my outside pick to win. Here's my pitch, Christian. Because I know to some extent, maybe like Bibiani's number one seed seems sort of random, that it's random. Hmm. So in in some world where it's not entirely random, that this is some, like some of these are preordained, pitch for you. Your number one seed, Paul Yama. Number two seed, Chance Ellison. Number three seed, Janine the Machine. Number, number four seed, Kevin Smith. And number five seed, Robert Parker. And see which fan leaguer goes the longest. In general trivia, it's it's going to be either Paul or, or Chance. Yeah, Paul or Chance yeah. are like with an outside shot of Janine. 
like Smets and Parker, like sadly, they just not being. I do, I mean, Don't discount and, Parker. And, he has three and, and one in singles. And the reason yeah. I and the reason I believe in Chance, uh, it's a little something to do with our interview that we did with Shannon. I want to know more about what she thinks about Chance, Mike, and the rest of Corruption. Tune in Friday. We'll be dropping that Shannon interview right here on on this channel, and you'll be able to get all the inside info on uh, the corruption of 2020. Also, I uh, just quickly answer for myself. I'm gonna steal what Leo Logan put in the chat. Um, the Barbarian. No. I don't know why I'm. Like, this is my hunch to want putting ten quid on 101 shot in the hopes that I end up with a grand. I just think if he comes in the last like seven or eight. Especially with the character work they can do, just to f- kind of throw someone off for a little bit, it's I, be, I can see him going. This is you walking into like the casino and putting ten quid on forty Ferrari again. And let me tell you why. No. I just I just hyped the barbarian, but Leo, watch that match again. I went perfect in that match because those are easy fucking questions. They were. I, just, I say, I knew every single one of those fucking Oscar questions. Those were ridiculously easy. I, I I think we need to be fair here. We, we shouldn't hype him up too much. I think he's incredible, no. and I think he I think he could make a sneaky run. He could he could he's probably he he could be a very solid number two rookie of the year. But that's not to say he's great. I think we need to see where he goes next in his next match, which pound for pound was probably gonna, he's probably going to beat Brett Sheridan or Ben Goddard. He can beat Brent, Ben Goddard. Yeah, but I but I don't know. I was just, I just have that uh, Brendan Meyer vibe about him. Where he's just going to go in and just go on a tear. Yeah. And, and I can get a my ass teammate. Also, um, Scully just getting praised for that segue earlier. Uh, Scully Sogo was that segue. He could have hurt JT. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Garth. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think that's everything. Uh, we've been going on 49 minutes. It's 4 a.m. in the morning. Go over here in the UK. I want to go to bed. Um, so uh, quickly, Spence, do you uh, call to action, call to family, go on. Yeah, hi. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TemekuFilmNerd. That is at T-E-M-E-K-U Film Nerd. Also, check me out on the Call to Action channel, where I host Call to Fan Leagues, where I, where I interview people like these two bitches, as well as a lot of other people. Uh, on uh, yesterday's show, I interviewed Caleb Boatman, Jake Marangoni, and Tim the Hulk Bracala, talking about a lot of snowball and a lot of title defenses, title matches and stuff coming up soon. Also, uh, check out, I have a, I have a uh, show coming out pretty soon called Movie Trivia of the Pacific, where I run my own trivia league. And it's not professional, and it's with students, so it's a little wonky, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, I should get the link hopefully soon. I just recorded my third show uh, yesterday as well. Your plugs are getting longer than Dagnino's promos at this point. My plugs are as long as I want them to be. And yeah, so check me out on the Year on Trial podcast with Jay Burns, Caleb Boatman, and Douglas Castle. I'm a very busy person. Fuck you, Scully. Go ahead. What's your, what's what are you gonna plug? Uh, well, my plug was the interview with Shannon. Um, but look, if you, if you want to just find me in general, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, TC Scully thirty one. It's mostly sports tweets, some movie tweets, some schmodown tweets. Um, but if you want to look inside, uh, this brain, yeah, watch that. Uh, also, um, if you would, uh, if by chance you want to watch a trivia match with me in it, watch Snowball 3, me versus Robert Parker. That's Robert Parker's most recent fan league match. Uh, watch him tear my ass into mincemeat and then watch him tear Ace's ass into mincemeat, uh, because that is. 100% what he's, what, what, what he's going to do. No question about that. 
Um, so yeah, that's another shameless plug I got. Yes, the annoying one at the bottom. Also, I want to I want to make sure. I think um, I think I'm right here. Um, your title match is dropping tomorrow uh, in Multiplex. Yeah, so final oh, nice. team title match: me and Caleb Bowman playing against Jay Burns, Mark Meyer, Necronomicon. Our team is called Mr. Revenge because we both like Harry Potter. Uh, that drops tomorrow on the Multiplex Entertainment Channel. Five rounds to see who who will uh, take Robert Parker's place as team champion uh, of Multiplex Phantom Fights. Yeah, uh, Mark saw- Kammeyer, who also came on the show like an hour ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. You did. Two seconds. I still feel that, that number one contenders match, you got lucky. That team that you played against deserved to win. <laughs> 100%. The team that Mischief Managed beat is the greatest fandom team of all time. Tony, give yes, me money. Yes. You got one of your biggest strengths, and we still TKO'd you. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately, we did not know it was a number of minutes match. We would have trained harder. Um, but quickly. <laughs> Neither did I think anybody except me, I think. I think I was the only one who remembered this was a number one contender match. Yeah, no one told us. Uh, that's fine. The scene should no need to know. Uh, but quickly, uh, please like, subscribe to the pages wherever you're watching this. Feature presentations, uh, productions tomorrow. We have fancy, uh, fancy, not fancy fun fights. That's Wednesday. Uh, feature presentations, trivia league. We have got Dave Goodyear off this clan, off the MBE crew, and uh, Christina Vassallo. Uh, rookie in the family is taking on Aaron J, the winner of the Rookie Brown Robin tournament that we held last month, and Jacob E. West, Papa Boatman himself. Uh, that's going to be a very fun team. Uh, Wednesday, Fancy Film Fights, the best Pixar characters. If you are interested in that, please go on the Fancy page. No. Ah! I'm going to change that name just so it doesn't start with F. Uh, go the on the feature, pres- page. Go on the feature presentation page, uh, Facebook page. Join it and put your name down if you want to go on it. We always want rookies and newbies on it. And uh, we're not probably not going to recap matches if they're going to show the live matches again so but friday as we said shannon barney is going to be on this fantastic interview please watch it both the and um, we're going to preview the front of our match intently uh go watch spencer stuff go watch our stuff like subscribe thank you everyone for watching and see you soon bye